Hello, and welcome to What on Earth, the podcast of the Environmental Investigation Agency, or EIA. Our understanding of the scale of the global plastics pollution crisis has come a long way in a short time, and it's fair to say a big factor in this spreading awareness has been the startling visual manifestations of the problem in our oceans, from great whales snarled in fishing gear to beaches swamped with plastic litter. Also grabbing the headlines have been a variety of technological solutions to marine plastic pollution, but can we really rely on physical ocean cleanups to tackle the problem for us? I'm Paul Newman, EIA's Senior Press and Communications Officer, and today I'm joined by special guest Ewad Laurier, plastic policy expert with Ocean Care, and also EIA Ocean Campaigner Jacob Keane Hammerson, to talk about our new jointly produced report, Cleanups or Clean Washing, how plastic pollution cleanup technology can actually harm the environment and obstruct policy progress. Thanks to you both for taking the time to share your thoughts with us today. Thanks for having us, Paul. Yes, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks, and thanks for joining us. Now, Jacob, perhaps you could start us off by giving a brief overview of what's in this new report. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, and we're really excited to release this new report with Ocean Care. And what we're trying to do is really uh, call for a bit of caution about the rise in some of these quick fix technological solutions to the plastic crisis. And in particular, like you mentioned, these plastic cleanup technologies. So what the report does is provide an overview of some of these concerns that not just ourselves, but lots of people in academia and civil society have been raising. And they can be broadly categorized, I think, into the concerns over the environmental impacts that these technologies can have, the efficiency and capital intensity in terms of how much money it really is going to cost to do this. Where does all the waste go once it's cleaned up? And finally, uh, how some companies can use these technologies to sort of greenwash their reputation uh, and fundamentally distract from what we really feel are the real solutions to solving the plastics crisis. So we'd be really excited to sort of dive a little bit deeper into some of these things uh, on the pod. Excellent stuff. Um, anyway, just so that everyone's clear as to what we're talking about, would you be able to give our listeners a few examples of ocean cleanup technologies and how they work? Well, there are actually quite a lot of them. Um, a recent review or review from a few years back already distinguished like 38 different uh, plastic collection technologies, which are either in planned state or in pilot phase or actually in use or even status unknown. Now, we don't know. I mean, they were launched, but well, they can focus on land. You have, for instance, systems cleaning beaches like uh, Sweepy Hydros from, from Beach Tech. They can focus on ports or coastal areas. Um, these are, for instance, sea bins. These are more passive systems which collect the plastic when it floats by. Um, these can even be robotic systems where nowadays, even by using artificial intelligence, uh, the, the plastic is, is focused and then collected automatically like, like a jellyfish bot or, or bluefin, they are called. And then there are the, the most, you know, the most well-known ones or the most visible ones are the, those that are active at, at, at high sea. And they're obviously the most well-known, which we also talk about in the, in the report as a, as a case study, is the ocean cleanup, which is then a system which goes out in the ocean and which using active, uh, which by using a, a large boom between two ships, tries to collect the plastic and then bring it on land. 
Okay, I, I think it's fair to say that the thrust of both of our organisations' work to address plastic pollution um, is, is focused on significantly reducing the production and consumption of it in the first place, which is all well and good, but that doesn't really cancel out the fact that our oceans are kind of already teeming with plastic rubbish. Um, how do you think we're going to clear up the marine environment if we don't fall back on techno fixes? Yeah, thanks, Paul. I'll just jump in here. And I think actually in your question, you, you sort of nailed it on the head, I think, is really what's important is first and foremost, we look at solving the root causes of the problem. And it's a kind of Occam's razor sort of situation, but often the simplest answer is actually the best solution. We're creating far too much plastic for us to be able to handle in any meaningful way which is causing this crisis. So first and foremost, we really need to think about dealing with that, what we call the upstream or reducing the amount of production and consumption of these plastics. And then beyond that, looking at how we redesign the plastics we do use to make them uh, uh, able to be more reusable and cycle through the economy so they don't end up as waste. And that's, that's the fundamental thing that we're trying to ad address here is that we're not saying that there should never be a case where we should seek to remediate the plastic that is in the environment. But what we really need to look at is solving the problem because we can't keep mopping the floor if the bath is still you know, running over or the sink is still running over because that's really what we need to get at first so we know what we're dealing with. And I think, Edward, you might want to talk about uh, what we do think we should do when we're looking at cleanups. Yeah, it's, it's uh, exactly as Jacob, uh, Jacob just said. Um, it's, it's not that we you know, should be completely against these, these technologies, but the point is when they are used, it should be very clear how they are used by whom, who decides to carry, to carry out such cleanups. It's, it's also not about, about more local initiatives where, where people go out to clean the beach. That, that's really not the issue. It is about very technology intensive kinds of, of, of cleanups, which um, should not just be, their, their application should not just be decided by the organizations selling the, the, the equipment or carrying out the, the, the cleanup, but should be guided by strict criteria. Um, they should be applied in areas of, of demonstrable needs, of areas which are decide, were defined by independent research as needing cleanup, they should also be guided by, by clear regulation and control, um, in which case, for instance, the, the current negotiations uh, on, the, on the upcoming plastic treaty, about which we definitely, I think, will talk about later, um, comes in very, is, is, is a very important setting where we can, we, where we can set such, such rules and, and such control mechanisms, um, where we can set clear criteria about independent assessment, you know, about who carries out the, the, the cleanup, in what way, where. And last but not least, all that should be based on, on a clear, strong precautionary principle. I mean, much too often we use a technology without, you know, enough reflection about what it can do and the harm it can cause. So it's really important that when we go out there with a technology, that we do it with a really careful uh, attention for the environment while the cleanup is active. So is it fair to say that what you're saying is that there is a space for these kind of projects to exist, but they need to have proper oversight and control? They need, they need to be all answerable to the same centralized set of criteria? 
I think that is key. Yes, that's that. It's not so much that we should not clean up. I mean, there is definitely, or there are definitely situations where this um, will be very useful or is very useful. But it's the way how it happens and who actually controls the process of these cleanups. Excellent. Okay. Uh, yeah, and just to jump in finally, I think what. Edward was saying about the precautionary approach is so key because we don't want in our rush to clean up the plastics is to cause other really concerning environmental damages. And what are what we're really trying to do when we're solving environmental problems is to reduce the complexity in the system and try and return it back to its pre-pollution state and not increase the amount of complexity in the system and cause damage to it. And I think you see with things like deep sea mining to try and mine minerals for, you know, new technologies, that rush to do so could cause environment, huge environmental concerns. So you can see analogies in other sort of issues that we're facing currently. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the report discusses um, how many ocean cleanup projects are currently funded by the polluters, um, but also raises the specter that this may be, in some cases, more about them greenwashing their own images rather than any sincere environmental philanthropy. Still, d don't you think it's better that the economic burden should fall to them rather than on the rest of society anyway? I think absolutely right. Uh, we fundamentally believe in the polluter pays principle, and, it, and this is a kind of... Uh, uh, principle of international lawmaking, and it's absolutely important. But as you say, the, the concerns about um, the way these cleanup operations can be set up in some cases currently is about greenwashing and the polluters can make claims uh, that can benefit them commercially or, or, or inform their consumers that they're, they're taking action to be plastic pollution. We are cleaning up. But actually, this cleanup is just allowing them to continue to pollute in the exact same way that they were before. So what we really think is a true expression of the polluter pays principle where the environmental consequences and externalities of their actions are really costed to the polluter and the finances go to the real solutions. Uh, so we think probably the best way to solve this, you know, could be to institute these financial levers to ensure that the costs are borne by polluters, there are funds with a proper oversight and are set up to deliver the money where it's most needed, looking at reducing production, looking at helping countries solve uh, the, the plastic issues. Um, and then when polluters are making claims about the kind of voluntary contributions that they're free to make, um, that there is proper verification and, and monitoring of these claims so they can't just be uh, saying, um, you know, that they're cleaning up the environment when, you know, there are some concerns that, um, th that the impacts aren't actually quite what they say they are. Yeah, and I guess not to be glib about it, but there's no way they're clearing up as much as they're producing. Well, yeah, they're not taking away the same amount of problems they're creating, are they? Exactly. Yeah. And when you look at a, a you know, a, a kind of plastics producer um, that is, is, uh, financing a cleanup operation, you're right. There's no way that we can clean up everything that's that's being being pumped out there in the way that the technology is currently set up. It it is in, indeed. I mean, as Jacob as Jacob said, there is this high risk of greenwashing, but there is on the other hand the fact that the polluter indeed should pay. The issue is, however, where the the polluter should put its money. And to give a very clear example, one of the funders of the ocean cleanup is the Coca-Cola company. Coca-Cola company, whoever, 
and some countries even very recently moved from, from a reuse system to a single-use plastic system. Why did they do that? To make more money, to make more profits. So actually, they should they put their money there. They should, they should invest more in, in good solutions to package their beverage, packaging which does not pollute on the, the entire planet, rather than throwing out all these plastic bottles, which eventually ends up in the ocean, and then claiming that they pay the cleanup it would be smarter that it would not create a problem in the first place, of course. Absolutely. Uh, no, it would. Um, do you not think that further investment might improve the technological solutions? Um, I mean, given that all new technology has initial flaws, and I guess that's where many of these cleanup programs are, shouldn't we be encouraging improvements to the technology rather than calling for it to not be used? Um, here I would, would call, like, again, for precaution. I mean, we saw through our throughout especially recent history that we have like a kind of obsession with new technology and with the belief that new technology will solve problems that were actually created by other new technologies just a few away a moment back in time. Um, it's, it's, it's again not about these technologies, but it's about the speed with which they are developed, put out there without much oversight. Um, often I will make. I often think when I when I hear about these new technologies, it makes me think about um, a quote from from um, Matsuoka Fukuoka, who compares humans with a, a fool who, in his clumsiness, dumps a, um, a hole in his roof, then somehow, and it starts raining, manages to cover it up, and then is very proud about the solution. And that is what we see with, with, with techno fixes, is that we create a problem in the first place by technology, by innovation, in this case, by creating a lot of new polymers. And then when we notice there is a problem, we quickly find some other solution to fix it. It is also, I think, important not to hope too much that you know some technological fix will solve the the problem as long as we do not stop the problem from from emerging it is to say from plastic getting into the environment excellent uh, finally um, as our regular listeners to this podcast will know the, the third round of talks in pursuit of a global plastics treaty will shortly get underway in nairobi uh, jacob how, how does this study relate to the prospective plastics treaty and, and what if any recommendations do you have to make based on the findings of it yeah, absolutely, Paul. And I think really what's exciting is actually we do have the opportunity in the Plastics Treaty to get this right. And we have the opportunity to get this right, right across the the kind of value chain of plastics. Um, and as we mentioned before, remediation and cleanup in certain uh, circumstances is, is going to be an important part of the picture when we're talking about ending plastic pollution. When you think about some of the least developed countries um, or you know, particularly the circumstances that small island developing states have where this plastic is washing up onto their oceans and beaches and they rely really heavily on the ocean for their economies, that cleanup is going to be important. Um, but first and foremost, we think that that is going to need to be 
it part of what we call what people are calling this kind of full life cycle approach, which means taking measures right from the extraction of the raw materials to reducing the production of plastics to redesigning uh, our systems of delivery to create more reusable systems right the way down to how we manage our waste. Um, a full life cycle approach is what we're looking at. And we can't just think about cleaning. Cleaning up is going to be our solution to everything. We can just carry on business as usual. Um, so, so we really need to readdress our relationship with plastics in a very fundamental way. And, and the treaty provides that opportunity. And so when it comes to cleanup or remediation, as it's sometimes called, remediating these areas affected by existing plastic pollution, we really think the treaty can create this sort of legal framework that we've spoken a little bit about today. So it can provide guidance on how we target remediation, how we identify the hotspots that are causing the most damage to ecosystems, to human health, to local economies. Um, and so we can focus our efforts in the areas where it's going to be most needed and not sort of indiscriminate uh, cleanups that are happening in places that could cause this really big environmental damage. And being able to weigh that up is really important. And we think that the, the, the legal framework and the guidance can be provided by, by the treaty to do that with kind of independent experts. Um, and then just just further on from that, and then it's about conducting the cleanup when it does happen in an environmentally sound manner. So this includes, you know, environmental impact assessments, both in, uh, in like countries' jurisdictions, but in areas uh, beyond national jurisdiction, which is really important. Uh, we need clear reporting on the efficiency of these systems and how and 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 the impacts that they're having, any unintended consequences. Um, and really doing or providing that kind of uh, that policy environment that we are going to conduct these operations in an environmentally sound way and we're putting the planet first when we're doing this work. And we think, you know, there's we we've been able as a global community to craft these kind of multilateral environmental agreements in the past that have had really uh done really amazing things for the environment you look at the montreal protocol which eia has worked on for many years this is possible if we get this right excellent stuff well thank you for that and anyway if i could ask one final thing um what, what's your final takeaway um what, what would you like to see um come about as a result of the work in this report i would come back again uh, on this precautionary principle. I think for me, this is really, I, I see it as a warning that when we would use technologies to clean up, we should really watch out how we do it, who controls it. It should be based on independent science. It should be, be controlled by an uh, independent body. It should be carried out in respect or in, in consideration of the of the environment of the ecosystem where it's operational. I think that is that is really for me the the, the important issue. That is this this acceptance or this respect of where you are cleaning up, where you are doing this, and and the life that is present there. Excellent. Well, th thank you both very much indeed um, for that and, and for joining us today and, and best of luck with the report and um, in, in getting its findings implemented um, within the Global Plastics Treaty. Now, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please watch this space for future episodes and check out our website at eia-international.org to find out more about our work. Thanks for joining us and wherever you are, stay safe out there. Mm -hmm.